0: You're listening to the KCAC Beat. Now, introducing your hosts, Hans Nickel and Mark Hoffheinz. Good morning and welcome to the KCAC Beat. It is Halloween. Hopefully, uh, you're, if you've got kids, you'll be enjoying some trick or treating tonight. I know I'll be going out with a uh, my son who's wanting to go out trick-or-treating this evening uh, but it is approaching the end of the football season we had a great week of kcac football and we'll break the action down for you uh, in this uh, podcast but just brief introductions i'm hans nickel assistant commissioner for operations here at the conference along with me is mark Hofheinz, assistant commissioner for communications and sports information we've been with you all year and it's time to continue and start our weekend scoreboard recap
1: this is the kcac scoreboard our first game we'll look at is actually a non-conference matchup uh, kind of late in the season for a non-conference matchup but we do have another one next week so it's to pay attention to but Uh, Avila traveled down to Little Rock, Arkansas to take on Arkansas Baptist, another NAI school. Uh, Looking at the scoring breakdown, it was all Avila early in the first quarter. Um, Malik Nesbitt scores on a 36-yard run with 11.26 left, so pretty early in the game uh, to make it 6-0. Avila, they went for a two-point conversion and failed, but uh, Avila gets up to a 6-0 lead. They make up for that uh, failed two-point conversion about four minutes later, getting a team safety. Uh, I don't think it's credited anywhere in the stats, but uh, with 7.40 left in the first quarter, Avila gets a safety, makes it 8-0 Eagles. And then uh, with 5.54 left in the first quarter, Andrew Williams catches a 24-yard touchdown pass from quarterback Eli Williams. Uh, Eagles kick the extra point, makes it 15-0, which would be the score going into the second quarter. Uh, In the second quarter, Arkansas Baptist does get on the board. Dwan Hamlin scores uh, on a 16-yard touchdown pass from MJ Patterson. Uh, Arkansas Baptist goes for a two-point conversion. That fails, so Avila is up 15-6 to at this point. And then from this this point forward, it's all Avila. Uh, Second quarter, the Eagles score two more times. Eli Williams, dual-thread quarterback, scores on a five-yard run. Uh, using his legs there with 6.07 left in the second quarter. Makes it 22-6, Avila. And then the Eagles scored not too long before halftime. Uh, Eli Williams and Andrew Williams hook up again for another uh, touchdown pass, 16-yard touchdown pass to Andrew Williams. At this point, uh, Avila kicks the extra point, makes it 29-6 going into halftime. Uh, relatively quiet second half, Avila does add another score in the third quarter uh, with 10.04 left in the third quarter. Kyle Diorio scores on an eight-yard run. Uh, Mordo Zavi kicks the extra point, makes it 36 to six Avila, which would end up being your your final score. Neither team scores after uh, 10:04 left in the third quarter. Looking at some of the team statistics, it was a another good day for both the Avila offense and defense. Both sides of the ball, they've been performing at a high level this year. Uh, looking at team statistics, Avila 22 first downs compared to 15. For Arkansas Baptist, uh, total offense Avila 328 total yards compared to 187 for Arkansas Baptist. Uh, comparing kind of average plays, you break that down. Uh, Avila is getting 5.5 yards per play, uh, and Arkansas Baptist only getting 3.2 yards per play. So a, a stout defensive game by the Avila defense. Uh, Arkansas Baptist actually led in net yards passing, or 210 to 120. Uh, but where you see the big difference and where it swung things in Abla's favor was net yards rushing. Eagles have 208 yards rushing as a team, and they hold Arkansas Baptist to negative 23 yards rushing. When we get into the um, individual statistics, we'll see how many of those may have been sacks or just tackles for loss. But uh, as I've been mentioning, good defensive game by Abla, holding Arkansas Baptist to negative rushing yards. Uh, neither team really had to, to punt too much. Both teams only punted three times, uh, so offensive drives kind of uh, were were able to keep going. They weren't slowed down too much there. Uh, looking at penalties, it was a pretty heavily, heavily penalized game. Avila had 16 penalties for 107 yards, and Arkansas Baptist, 11 penalties for 86 yards. And looking at uh, time of possession, was relatively even. Arkansas Baptist actually led in this one 30 minutes and 50 seconds compared to 29 minutes and 10 seconds for Avila. Um, but that was pretty even as far as time of possession. What do you see in uh, individual statistics that stands out to you? So we'll start with
0: Arkansas Baptist. Uh, you mentioned uh, those rushing statistics. Uh, only three of those, there are only three sacks. So a lot of that negative yards actually coming in tackles for a loss as well. There were, let's see, one six different rushers individual rushers for uh for arkansas baptist only one of them gets into positive yards satavian ray had 19 carries for 38 yards other than that uh, every other carrier what ended up in negative yards marlon patterson jr the quarterback had nine attempts for negative 33 yards. He had the the second most attempts on the day for Arkansas Baptist, but in the air, Patterson, 11 of 25, 210 yards, touchdown, two interceptions, uh, top receivers for, uh, Arkansas Baptist, Calvin Mitchell, two receptions, 77 yards. Chris Witherspoon, four receptions, 74 yards. Then Dewan Hamlin had the one touchdown reception. That was his only catch on the day. Uh, but re- really stood out for the KCAC team. Avila is uh, they played a lot of people. I think Avila felt they were pretty much in control of this game. Uh, if you look at their quarterback, Eli Williams, Six of 14 on the day, that is not a lot of pass attempts uh, for him. 95 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, He also runs seven times for 31 yards, including a touchdown. Uh, But if you look at rushing statistics, Malik Nesbitt, typically the feature back for Avila, only gets 10 touches in this game goes 66 yards on those 10 touches so highly efficient uh, scores a touchdown uh, but then it's other um, Eagles getting some action Jaquise Watkins 12 touches 63 yards uh, that's a 5.3 yards per carry average Kyle DeOreo, the backup quarterback uh, had two rushes for 25 yards he was also 7 of 10 on the day uh, for 25 yards so a lot of of short passes there Um, and then Joshua Pratt, five attempts, 23 yards. In terms of receiving, uh, what, there's four uh, receivers that that get more than one reception. Uh, Andrew Williams, Melvin Reed, Robert Brooks, all with three receptions. Williams had the most yards out of those with 52 yards, also scored the two touchdowns. Reed had 40 yards on those three receptions and Brooks seven yards on his three receptions. Then Darius Conrad had two receptions for 16 yards. Mortizavi, uh you mentioned the extra point. He was perfect four for four on the day on his extra point attempts, uh, but really all Avila in this game, and you see that on the offensive statistics. Um, what stands out to you defensively, Mark?
1: I mean, you, you mentioned on offense that they played a lot of people, so nobody really stood out. I'd say it's kind of the same thing on defense. The the leading tackler for Avila only had five tackles. Usually you see that kind of creeping up towards double digits, but a lot of people with uh, two or more tackles on the day. Uh, standouts, just looking at statistics, Maxwell Weber, uh, four total tackles, one sack uh, for lost 17 yards. Uh lloyd Darius Gardner, four tackles, 2.5 tackles for loss. Joey Mars, four tackles, two tackles for loss. So you're kind of seeing a lot of similar stat lines from from some of the Avala starters. Um, I guess one thing to really pay attention to if you're looking at team defensive statistics, they had 15 tackles for loss uh, for a total loss of 73 yards. So uh, didn't seem like who's in the game. is getting pressure in the backfield uh, on, our, our, on Arkansas Baptist. Uh, three of those 15 tackles for loss. Or sacks, So uh, getting a lot of pressure there. Uh, Terrell Ballantyne did force a fumble. He had a pretty good game all around. Only two tackles, but both were sacks for a uh, loss of 21 yards, a forced fumble, and uh, interception, and a pass breakup. So good all-around game for him. Looking at Arkansas Baptist, Keyshawn Whaley led the team with 11 total tackles. Uh, looking at turnovers caused by the Arkansas Baptist defense, they did get... An interception off Avila, Cortland Mitchell gets that interception. Uh, Arkansas Baptist getting a little bit of pressure in the backfield on Avila. Eight tackles for loss, but only for 23 yards. So Avila able to minimize the uh, the loss of yardage there. And uh, just a, a good overall game, as I mentioned early on, on both offense and defense by the Eagles. Uh, but now I'll move to our next matchup, which is Friends at Bethany. So the Falcons go
0: into Lindsburg uh, and get a victory over Bethany. In this one, let's break down the the scoring. My uh, friends started the scoring 1023 left in the first quarter. Waylon chance runs it in from four yards to make it seven. Nothing uh, friends. Bethany actually responds 50 uh, yard touchdown reception by Brock Burnett from Alec Garagosian. Uh, Missed extra point, makes it 7-6 there in the first quarter with two oh three to play. Uh, friends in that short time able to uh, then turn right around and take the lead back or extend the lead back on that next kickoff. Uh, Dijon Dobbs, 74 yards to the house, uh, makes it 14-6 uh, at the end of the first quarter. In the second quarter, Bobby Schmidt hits a 22-yard field goal for the Falcons, make it 17-6. Then Zach Dressler with 5.52 to play runs it in from five yards out to make it 24-6 friends, and it is all friends uh, from here on out. That 24-6 is your halftime score. Coming out in the third quarter, Schmidt, again, a field goal, this one from 24 yards then for the Falcons is Quentin Owens with 321 to play in the third, a four yard touchdown run, make it 34, six in the fourth quarter. Austin Pratt gets a touchdown reception from Jock from Jack Mullen, 1237 to play, makes it 41, six with eight Oh six to play. Caden Rigsby, a 37 yard touchdown run. It's 48 to six at that point. Um, And then Wade Bright closes the scoring with 4.49 to go on a 13-yard run to make it 55-6. Those last three touchdowns, uh, Aiden Hess kicks the extra point in each of those situations. So we had a, a backup kicker come in and kick for friends at that point as well. Looking at team statistics, Uh, Friends dominates in first downs 20 to 12 over Bethany Uh, third down efficiency was in favor of friends 44 percent to 33 percent you see a big difference as well in total offense 417 yards of total offense for friends compared to 225 yards uh, for Bethany. Bethany does lead in passing yards 162 passing yards friends just 50 passing yards uh, on the the day friends only attempted five passes completed two of those where Bethany uh, attempted 31 passes completing 12 Um, net rushing yards well in favor of friends 367 yards on the ground for friends compared to just 63 for Bethany Um, penalties Looking at those, again, a pretty heavily penalized game. Ten penalties on Friends, 109 yards. Seven penalties on Bethany for 68 yards. Uh, Both teams lost a fumble. um, So even on the fumble turnover battle. But Friends uh, picks off Bethany three times, throws no interceptions. So Friends leads the turnover battle uh, four to one. uh, Time of possession, fairly even 28 minutes for friends compared to 31 minutes for uh, Bethany. Any individual statistics stand out to you, Mark? Uh,
1: Before we get into individual statistics, I just saw a couple uh, team statistics that friends put out their sports information department that I wanted to highlight Um, team rushing yards. You mentioned 367 rushing yards as a team. That's their most since the 2016 season in a game. Uh, It's their biggest margin of victory. 49 or yeah 49 points uh since 2011 and zach dressler we'll mention him in the individual statistics but he went over a thousand yards on the season and he's their first thousand yard rusher uh since the 2016 season not sure where he stands right now but uh their the last thousand yard rusher was jesse rogers in 2016 with 1,639 yards um so i'm not sure if if Dressler will be able to reach that here in the final two weeks, it'll be interesting to see uh, him kind of go on that chase. So definitely a day of milestones for the Falcons. But looking at individual statistics on offense, uh, starting with Bethany, Alec Geregosia in the quarterback, 12 of 30 for 162 yards. He did throw a touchdown, but did give up three interceptions on the day. Uh, rushing for the Swedes, Isaiah Dreyer led the team in both attempts and yards, 19 attempts for 29 yards. It's only a 1.5 yard average. Um, receiving on the day, Brock Burnett probably stands out as the player of the game for Bethany. Uh, very efficient, only getting five receptions, but at 99 yards on those five receptions, it's an average of almost 20 yards per catch. Um, he did have a touchdown on the day on that big play. Um, looking at uh, special teams for Bethany, Zeke Mumford was part of the uh, kicking and punting game for the Swedes, of 1 an extra points Uh, but did average a little bit over 43 yards on his two kickoffs and had six punts for 207 yards for Bethany. Looking at Friends on the day, Jack Mullen, two of three for 50 yards passing and a touchdown. Uh, Rushing, as we mentioned, a huge rushing day for Friends. Dressler goes over the 1,000-yard mark. He was the leading rusher on the day in both carries uh, and yards. 18 attempts for 164 yards. That's over nine yards per carry, and did have a touchdown the day. Uh, Lake and Cloutis was the second leading rusher in both carries and yards. Seven carries for 48 yards. Kane Rixby only touches the ball once, but goes 37 yards to the house for a touchdown. Uh, Wayland Chance scores a touchdown the day. Quentin Owens scores a touchdown on the ground, and Wade Bright. Um, so spreading the love as far as score, scoring on the ground for friends there. Uh, receiving, Only two Falcons caught passes on the day. Both only caught one pass. Lake and Cloudus, running back, one catch for 30 yards. Austin Pratt, one catch for 20 yards on touchdown. Bobby Schmidt, good game for him. In the kicking game, two of three uh, on field goals. His long was 24 on the day and then four of four of extra points. So he had uh, 10 points scoring. As you mentioned, Aiden Hess, uh, looks like they put in a backup kicker there, but he was three of three on extra points. So he had three points scoring there. Uh, Bobby Schmidt, besides his kicking game, had three punts for 86 yards, uh, including one inside the 20. Then he had seven kickoffs for 406 yards, which is a 58-yard average. Uh, What do you see on defense that stands out to you? Yeah, Bethany had the leading tackler in
0: the game. It was Connor Paomo, 13 tackles on the day. He also had the the fumble recovery for the Swedes, so a, a good game. Uh, from from Connor, uh, other standout uh, performances. Samuel Sinodi had three tackles, but a sack and a half in the game, um, or sorry, not a sack and a half, a tackle and a half for a loss, uh, and was the leading tackler in the backfield for. Um, for Bethany, Bethany unable to get to the quarterback in a sack, but that is is not uncommon against Friends. Again, only five pass attempts for Friends, so not a lot of opportunities for sacks uh, in the game for Bethany. For Friends, three players led the team in tackles. Again, tackles were spread all over the place here. Uh, leading tackler was at six, and that was Siaponte, Bryson Wade, Bryson Wade, and Tucker Trevette, all with those six tackles. Wade added a a tackle for a loss and a pass breakup where Trevette added a sack uh, to go along with that. In terms of the the forced turnovers, uh, Brendan, Brandon, yeah, Raiden Gordon uh, had 4 tackles but caused two turnovers in the game, a fumble recovery and had an interception that he took back 47 yards before being tackled. Also broke up two passes. Nolan Ewing also had an interception. Uh, he took that back 32 yards uh, before being tackled and then LJ Beam was the other uh, turnover causer for the Falcons with an interception, uh, but those were the standout defensive performances. Uh, let's move on to our next game, which was Kansas Wesleyan traveling. Kansas Wesleyan traveling to Ottawa.
1: Starting off this game, Kansas Wesleyan scores with 11:44 left in the first quarter. Uh, Richard Lara, the the quarterback, scores on a one-yard run. <clears throat> a missed extra point by Aaron Maine makes it. A- six nothing Kansas Wesley at this point Ottawa responds only about a minute and a half later I'm uh, going seven seven plays for 75 yards and only about a minute and a half so uh, a really effective quick drive there from the Braves uh, Gage Keaton scores on a 31 yard touchdown pass from Billy Maples uh with the extra point Ottawa jumps ahead seven to six Kansas Wesleyan responds with two touchdowns in the second quarter though uh or two scores in the second quarter Tyler Boston scores on a 12-yard run with 12:58 left in the second quarter. That makes it 13 to 7, Kansas Wesleyan. And then Aaron Maine kicks a 23-yard field goal with 3:29 left in the second quarter. Makes it 16 to 7, Kansas Wesleyan, which would be the score heading into halftime. Third quarter, Ottawa responds. Uh, Malachi Peco scores on a 31-yard run. Uh, missed two-point conversion means that Ottawa cuts in the Kansas Wesleyan lead a little bit, makes it a three-point game, but Kansas Wesleyan still leads 16-13 to 13, uh, at that point in the third quarter. Nobody able to score for the remainder of the third quarter, so we jump to the fourth. Uh, and Kansas Wesleyan puts the game out of reach at this point, scoring two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. One is a Richard Lara two-yard run uh, with 11:24 left, makes it 23-13 Coyotes, and then uh, Nicholas Alzman scores with 5:09 left in the game, and the final score ended up being 30 to 13 after Alzman's touchdown. There, looking at team statistics, Kansas Wesleyan dominates on first downs, 29 compared to only 15 for Ottawa. Uh, the third down efficiency, Kansas Wesleyan really able to uh, convert on third downs, nine to 15, which would be a 60 yard conversion rate uh, compared to 38 percent conversion rate for Ottawa in those situations. Uh, total offense, Kansas Wesleyan really dominates here, 477 total yards, 6.4 yards per play on about 74 plays, so uh, really efficient day for the Coyotes. Ottawa, 235 yards on 61 plays, so that's about 3.9 yards per play. Uh, relatively even as far as passing, Ottawa actually leads us 165 to 158 yards for Kansas Wesleyan. Real big difference is in net rushing yards. Coyotes, 319 rushing yards on the day. Um, as a team, they average five and a half yards per rush uh, on 58 rushing attempts. Ottawa, 70 net yards rushing, uh, averaging about 2.6 yards per rush. Uh, punting was relatively even. Kansas Westland, five punts on the day for 183 yards. Ottawa, seven punts for 269 yards penalty is a relatively uh low penalized game for both teams and uh kens wesley leads the time possession they get that running game going which is indicated by the total rushing yards and kind of control the time possession uh 32 minutes to 27 minutes to 51 seconds for ottawa Uh, what do you see on offense that stands out to you in this matchup
0: yeah so for the home team ottawa their leading passer was billy maples 14 to 32, 160 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and you'll notice there were no turnovers in this game so that we're not going to talk about any interceptions or fumble recoveries as uh, there's, there's no turnovers. So an efficient day uh, passing the ball for Maples, a uh, couple um Wildcat-type plays that Ottawa ran. Austin Zavala threw out of those two for two, uh, five total yards on those plays. Leading rusher for Ottawa was Malachi Pico, nine attempts, 60 yards. That's a 6.7 average. He did score a touchdown. Uh, Jared Daniels also had 11 carries, went 25 yards on those. A lot of different Braves catching passes, uh, led by Jomar Davis and Jared Daniels, each with three receptions. Uh, Davis had 32 yards, Daniels 13 yards. Uh, Leading receiver in terms of yards was Gunnar Madair, two receptions, 36 yards. Uh, Gage Keaton also added two receptions for 33 yards and had a touchdown. It was on a 31-yard reception, a nice double move uh, to score that touchdown for uh, the Braves in terms of kicking perfect one for one on extra points was Lewis McMullen did miss two field goal attempts uh, on the day Uh, for Kansas Westland Richard Laura 8 of 16 158 yards uh, no touchdowns no interceptions we don't see Tony White in this one Laura gets all the the pass attempts But in terms of rushing, really a three headed attack in this game, Mark Benjamin. Uh, Leads the team in yardage along with Tyler Boston. Both of those go for 81 yards apiece. Uh, Benjamins was on 11 carries, a 7.4 average, no touchdowns. Boston's was on 15 attempts, 5.4 average, does get in the end zone and score a touchdown. Uh, The leading rusher in terms of attempts was Nicholas Allsman. He had 16 attempts, 73 yards, a 4.6 average, uh, and he gets into the end zone as well. Uh, leading receiver was Woody Banks. He had three receptions, 89 yards for the Coyotes. Aaron Maine, kicking, perfect one-for-one one on field goals, goes three of four on extra points, scores six points on the day. Uh, anything stand out defensively to you, Mark? Uh,
1: getting contributions all over the field for Kansas Wesleyan. If I count stuff up right, I think 11 Coyotes had three or more tackles, so uh, really balanced pressure from Kansas Wesleyan coming from all over the field. Leading tackler for Kansas Wesleyan was Lucas Rockford. Nine total tackles. uh, That included a tackle and a half for loss for uh, a three-yard loss there. Rico Moore, good game for him. Six total tackles. uh, One tackle for loss for uh, a five-yard loss there. Javante Gabriel, four tackles, uh, two tackles for loss for a loss of six yards. One of those was the sack. So a lot of people getting uh, pressure on Ottawa on the day as a team. Kent Wesleyan eight tackles for a loss for uh, loss of 39 yards and uh, four of those were sacks. So getting some pressure there. Ottawa their leading tackler AJ Hempel 14 total tackles on the day, followed by Jensen Rifle 10 total tackles on the day, um, including a half a tackle for a loss for a loss of one yard. Uh, Santino Ghee nine total tackles and a half a tackle for a loss for loss of one yard james glad another standout nine total tackles uh a sack and a half for a 16-yard loss there Otto as a team four tackles for loss for loss of 27 yards and two of those tackles for loss were sacks uh moving forward we're going to look at bethel at tabor which is our next matchup
0: yeah, so the Threshers go into Hillsborough at Ween Stadium, and Bethel's able to win this uh, rivalry match 31-14. Let's break down the scoring. Uh, Bethel gets on the board first with 11.56 to play in the first quarter. Chance Scurry, 34-yard touchdown run to make it 7-0. Uh, Bethel-Tabor comes back and ties it, though, uh, 753 To play in the first quarter, Wyatt Lepke uh, pick six, 43 yard interception return for a touchdown makes it 7 7. Uh, But Bethel's able to respond in the first quarter. DJ Sears goes for 41 yards on the ground uh, to make it 14 7 at the end of the first quarter. Bethel strikes first in the second quarter. Again, it's Sears on a 15-yard touchdown. Scamper uh, makes it 21-7. Tabor with 11 seconds to go in the half, though, cuts into that lead. Gustavo Villarreal, 6-yard touchdown run to make it 21-14 at the half. The Threshers leading second half, though, is all Bethel. Uh, They're able to shut out Tabor in the second half. Uh, Bethel scores in the third quarter, a touchdown again. Sears on the ground, a one-yard run, makes it 28-14. And with 13.03 to go in the fourth quarter, uh, the final score of the game comes on a Logan De- DeMond 35-yard field goal for Bethel to make it 31-14, which is your final score. Looking at those team statistics, uh, Bethel dominating first downs 20 to Tabor's 9. Both teams not very efficient on third down. Bethel wins the the third down percentage battle uh, with 19% compared to Tabor's 6%. Bethel only converting on three third downs on the day. Tabor only one on the day. Uh, Total offense in favor of Bethel, 387 to 158 for Tabor. Tabor wins the passing yards, 144 to 71. Um, Tabor was 15 of 42 passing on the day. Bethel, 7 of 15. Net rushing yards, though, very much in favor of Bethel. 316 um, yards to just 14 for Tabor. A lot of punting in this game. Uh, Tabor punts at 11 times for 395 yards. Bethel seven times for 274 yards. Um, penalties. Um, Tabor wins this battle as they only have three penalties for 17 yards. Bethel ends up five penalties for 46 yards. A um, lot of Turnovers on the day for Bethel. Uh, They fumble it four times, lose three of those fumbles. Uh, They also throw one interception. Uh, Bethel only able to create one turnover, uh, an interception, as um, Haber throws one interception on the day, but does not lose any fumbles. Time of possessions even right about at 30 minutes apiece. Uh, what stood out to you in the individual statistics, Mark?
1: Taking a look at Tabor first, uh, Gustavo Villarreal, the quarterback, 15 of 42 passing for 144 yards. Uh, does throw an interception on the day. Rushing for the Blue Jays, Jacob Field is their leading rusher. 16 attempts for only 25 yards, so that's about a 1.6-yard average. Uh, three other Blue Jays get carries on the day. Devin Jones, two carries for four yards. Liamania Brown, one carry, no yards, Stop the line of scrimmage. And then Villarreal, the quarterback, uh, seven carries for negative 15 yards on the day. So good job by the Bethel defense shutting down the, the rushing attack of Tabor. Uh, looking at receiving on the day for the Blue Jays, Jerry and Allen leads the team in both receptions and yards. Five catches for 71 yards, 14.2-yard average. Uh, Deontay Hill making his presence known on only a couple catches, but, uh, big yardage catches at that two catches for 46 yards. So that's a uh, 23 yard average. Uh, and then Caleb Jamal Grant, Franklin Miller, Jerron Usher, and Jacob feel all also get catches on the day kicking, uh, Tabor, Nathan Helig, two of two on extra points for two points there. Uh, Brandon Cano, their punter 11 punts on the day for 395 yards. Uh, it's a 35.9-yard average. And then Helig also taking part in the uh, kickoff game, three kickoffs for 113 yards for Tabor. Looking at Bethel, DJ Sears, another great game for him, leading the team in both passing and rushing for Bethel. Uh, 7-15 to passing for 71 yards does throw a pick on the day, though. Um, Sears also, as I said, leading the team in carries and rush yards, twenty carries for hundred and nineteen yards. That's a six yard average. Scores three touchdowns on the day on the ground. Chance Curry, seven carries for sixty one yards. It's eight point seven yard average and a touchdown. Uh Caden Christensen had double digit carries, ten carries for fifty four yards. Uh, and then let's see, two, three, four, five, I think about eight or nine other threshers had carries on the day. So Uh, Trying to spread the love there in their rushing game. In the receiving game for Bethel, uh, most of the receivers that caught ball in the day only had one catch. He had five pressures, that only had one catch on the day. Uh, And then Braden Francis led the team in catches with two. Uh, Tucker Smith actually led the team in yards. He only had one catch, but it's for 39 yards. Cassius McRae, only one catch, but it's for 18 yards. Uh, And then Isaac Harkness, Jesse Garcia, Mario Quintero, and as I mentioned, Braden Francis also get catches on the day for Bethel. Kicking, uh, you had a couple different kickers on the day for the Threshers. Logan Devon kicks a 35-yard field goal to add three points, and then Carson Sasuda, four or four extra points, adding four points in a special teams game there. Uh, Braden Francis, he had five punts on the day for 194 yards. That's a 38.8-yard average. Uh, two, is, two of his five punts were inside the 20. And then Joy Blakesley also gets some punts on the day for Bethel. Two punts for 80 yards, 40 yard average, and uh, one of his two punts was down inside the 20. So uh, special teams definitely helping the Bethel defense uh, to be in good field position. Uh, looking at uh, defensive statistics, what are some things you see there? Yeah, so Tabor's Wyatt Lepke
0: had himself a monster game in this one. Uh, gets 14 total tackles uh, sack and a half another half tackle for a loss on top of that uh, recovers a fumble and gets the pick six uh, so a good game from leckie uh, Cole Hernandez also had 11 tackles for the Blue Jays half a tackle for a loss forced a fumble and recovered a fumble uh, Courtney Craig nine total tackles a sack and a half and four total tackles for a loss uh, those four tackles of a loss resulted in negative 18 yards. In terms of the other players creating uh, turnovers, Merrick Boone was the other player to recover a fumble for Tabor. Uh, for Bethel, it's Josh Siebold, uh leading the team in tackles. He had 13 total tackles, a sack and a half uh, for negative 13 yards. He also broke up. Two passes. Cade Miller was also in double figure tackles with 11. He had half a sack and one total tackle for a loss. He also broke up a pass. Uh, The player creating a turnover for uh, Bethel in this one was Trey Palmer. He had an interception that he took back 20 yards before being tackled. Also broke up another pass, had three total tackles on the day, but those were the standout defensive performances in this game let's move to our next matchup which was southwestern college traveling to sterling college
1: yeah mound builders versus the warriors here nobody scores in the first quarter so good game early on uh, southwestern does get two touchdowns in the second quarter scoring first with 12:47 left in the second quarter martez jones the second it's a 14 yard touchdown run makes it seven to nothing mound builders and then for 528 left in the second quarter, Thomas Yam throws a 11 yard touchdown pass to Matthew Holtis uh, with the extra point from Gabriel Medrano. That makes it 14 0 nothing. Mountain builders, which would be your score heading into halftime. Uh, Southwestern scores again on a Yam to Holtis uh, connection with 839 left in the third quarter. This time it's a 94 yard touchdown pass. A really efficient drive. There are only two plays, 94 yards and 17 seconds. So. Uh, nice to score on a big play there for the Mound Builders. The extra point makes it 21 to nothing Southwestern at this point. Sterling able to respond after that, only about a minute and uh, 10 seconds later. Uh, Daniel Jackson throws a 65 yard touchdown pass to Ryan Stuckey uh, to make it 21 to 7 Southwestern at that point. Sterling uh, scoring on a big play there, kind of like Southwestern did right before them. Uh, Southwestern responds only. Uh, 15 seconds later on another big play, Martez Jones II getting involved in the special teams game. 96-yard kickoff return uh, with the extra point. It's 28-7 Southwestern, uh, which will be the score entering the fourth quarter. Southwestern scores on special teams again. Gabriel Medrano uh, had a good game kicking kicking extra points up to this point. Then he kicks a 40-yard field goal with 13-51 left in the fourth quarter. It's 31-7 Southwestern at that point. And then Sterling does score before the end of the game, 37 seconds left. Rockland Baptist, uh, Baptista, excuse me, throws a five yard touchdown pass to Cameron Williams. That would make it 31 to 14 Southwestern, which would end up being your final score. Looking at team statistics, comparing the both teams, Southwestern 24 first downs to only 11 for Sterling. Uh, Southwestern leads in third down efficiency, converting on 41% of their attempts there seven of 17 Uh, sterling converts on a third of their attempts on third down uh four of 12 there both teams 50 percent on fourth down conversions and efficiency there uh total offense really you can see that goes in favor of southwestern 408 total yards uh, about five yards per play compared to only 147 yards for sterling only about three yards per play Southwestern uh, leads by about 141 yards in total yards passing, 283 for the Mountain Builders compared to 142 for the Warriors. Uh, Net yards rushing, you see a big difference there, 125 for Southwestern compared to only five rushing yards as a team for the Warriors. So Southwestern defense able to bottle up that sterling rushing attack. Uh, Punts on the day. Five punts for Sterling for two hundred eleven yards. Only three punts on the day for Southwestern for ninety-three yards. Uh looking at uh time of possession, I don't believe this is correct on here because it t- total totals up over eighty minutes, but um I would I would figure with the net rushing yard advantage and 45 rushing attempts on the day that Southwestern would still lead in, in time possession there. Who stands out to you as far as uh, offensive statistics when comparing these two teams?
0: Yeah, looking at Sterling first, two quarterbacks split time for the Warriors. Daniel Jackson goes seven to thirteen for ninety-five yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh Rockland Baptista goes 9 of 15 for 47 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Ryan Stuckey, really the the offensive player for the the Warriors in this game that makes the most impact. Uh, That biggest impact comes receiving as he had nine receptions for 95 yards, including the touchdown, also carried the ball 13 times for 25 yards. That was the leading rusher in both attempts and yardage. For the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors again end up in with just five total rushing yards, a couple players with, with quite a bit of negative yardage. Uh, in the special teams, Luis Franco goes two for two on extra points, does miss his one field goal attempts. Mason Cobb, five punts, 211 yards, the 42.2 average, puts two of those inside the 20. Uh, Looking at Southwestern offensively, Thomas Yam, their main quarterback in this one, goes 16 of 25 for 260 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Uh, Brad Cagle, who spent a lot of time as a starter earlier in the year, uh, three of seven, um, 34 yards and an interception on the day. Uh, rushing, two players in double-figure rushes. Jaquillus Coleman, 23 attempts, 82 yards. Martez Jones, the second, 13 attempts, 56 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, but the offensive player of the game for Southwesterns clearly Matthew holt receiver, six receptions, 155 yards, 25.8 yards per reception average, scores two touchdowns on the day. Um, Josh Edson also had six receptions, 75 yards as well, and then a couple other players uh, with some receptions in the game. Uh, on special teams, Gabriel Madrano one for one on his field goal attempts. That one was from 40 yards, four for four on extra points, Scores seven points, punts it three times for 93 yards. That's the 31.0 uh, yards per punt average. Uh, what stood out to you in the defensive statistics, Mark?
1: Just looking at Southwestern to start out with, uh, I believe I counted right, 13 or more. 13 Mountain Builders had two or more tackles on the day. Leading tackler on the day for Southwestern was Josh Carter. Eight total tackles, uh, including a tackle and a half for a loss. And then you had Drew Smith and Rashawn Flowers, both had four tackles on the day. Chance Price and Tyler Moorhead both had three tackles on the day. Uh, each had a, I guess Price had one tackle for a loss, and Moorhead had half a tackle for a loss there. And then you get into probably about uh, seven or eight players with two tack- two tackles on the day. Uh, Jacarius Smith making plays all over the field. Uh, two tackles on the day, but one of those was a tackle for loss. And then he also had a pass breakup. Uh, Will Hinton had two tackles on the day and an interception and a pass breakup. And then Cameron Cornelius also had an interception on the day for Southwestern. So I uh, may not see huge tackle totals for a lot of these Mountain builder players, but they are making... Uh, impact all over the field as a team. Southwestern eight tackles for loss, uh, for a loss of 41 yards. Only one of those was a sack. So Southwestern definitely shutting down uh, the running backs for Sterling as well. Not just not just getting sacks and, and disrupting the passing game, but also shutting down the running game, before it can it going for the Warriors. For Sterling, Hunter Polin and Diego Moran both had double-digit tackles. Polin leading the team with 14 total tackles Moran uh 10 total tackles Caleb Lambert also had a good good game eight tackles uh including a half a tackle for loss Alan Garcia looks like he made the most impact as far as disrupting the backfield uh for Sterling he had seven tackles on the day a tackle and a half for loss Dexter Walker Jr probably the standout as far as uh plays that could have changed the game he only had three tackles but two interceptions on the day so uh Try and do swing things back in Sterling's favor and make big plays there. As a team, the Warriors, seven tackles for loss, including two sacks. So Sterling was able to get some pressure on the Southwestern backfield, but Southwestern just able to convert and uh, score on a couple of big plays there. We'll move into our last. Matchup of the weekend, which was St. Mary at McPherson. Yeah, and this was the the best
0: game of the day, and um, as the Spires go into McPherson, and let's look at how this one played out. St. Mary gets on the board first. Uh, Angelo Trujillo uh, gets a fumble recovery, takes it back. 40 yards. The St. Mary defense, which has been pretty prolific all year long, uh, scores another touchdown here and they take the lead 7 0 on McPherson. Uh, McPherson then makes a special teams play with a minute 23 to go in the first. Quarter, they block a punt, and it's returned nine yards by Quentin Powell for a touchdown uh, to tie this game up at 7-7. McPherson takes the lead in the second quarter with 11:49 uh, to play in that second quarter as Aiden Friesen gets a 16-yard touchdown reception uh, off the pass from Tristan Zabo. Uh, makes it 14-7, and that is your score as you head in to halftime uh, third quarter back and forth battle nobody's able to get on the board uh, and it is just a seven point game as we head into the fourth quarter st mary uh, cuts into that lead first in the fourth quarter 9 12 to play uh, felipe your 29 yard field goal cuts cuts the lead to just four points it's 10 to 14 st mary trailing And trying to get back in this one and McPherson's thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go. Another close game. McPherson's had a a lot of close games uh, this season and has ended up on the wrong side of those close games um, so far this year. But with a minute seven to play, McPherson seals the victory. Aiden Friesen, a 23 yard touchdown run makes it 21 10 uh saint mary not able to score in that last minute and that 21 to 10 is your final score looking at those team statistics uh looks pretty even as we look down these uh first downs a complete tie 10 to 10 both teams third down efficiency um St. Mary goes six of 18, McPherson five of 16. So St. Mary 33%, McPherson 31%. Total offense 185 yards for McPherson, 138 yards for St. Mary. Very much a defensive battle in this one. Passing yards 98 for St. Mary, 63 for McPherson. Rushing yards 122 for McPherson, 40 for St. Mary. Um, So you see this just really defensive battle Uh, punts St. Mary punts the ball nine times 312 yards McPherson six times for 243 yards Um, 14 penalties on St. Mary in this game 117 yards that played a, a big role six penalties on McPherson for 49 yards. Um, McPherson loses two fumbles. St. Mary loses one fumble. Uh, no interceptions in the game. Uh, time of position pretty much breaks out even in this one. What individual statistics stood out to you, Mark?
1: I mean, as you mentioned, on offense is uh, a defensive-dominated domin- game, so not going to see any huge offensive uh, statistics outside of a couple players here and there, but we'll go through those. St. Mary... Uh, Had two players throw passes on the day. Eric Covington, four of 11 for 56 yards. Shane Bishop, two of 10 for 42 yards. Leading rusher for the Spires on the day in both carries and yards was Jartavius Martin, 16 carries for 35 yards. It's a 2.2 yard average. Uh, Covington also gets uh, quite a few carries on the day, seven carries for 19 yards. Drew Harris, eight carries for 13 yards. So uh, and then let's see one two three other spires get carries on the day. So St. Mary trying to get their rushing game going just couldn't really get c- couldn't get much to go. Covington actually leads the team in uh, with the highest average as far as rushing the ball, two point seven yards per carry. Uh, but the McPherson defense just able to to shut down the rushing game of St. Mary. Looking at receiving for the spires, uh, three players with two catches on the day: Josh Walker, Davian Norman, and Dartavius Martin. Walker leads the team in total yards receiving with 60. Norman has 20. Martin has 18. Uh, so Walker definitely leads an average there with a 30 yard average on his two catches. Kicking game on the day Felipe Uarte, one of two on field goals uh, for that 29 yard field goal, and then one of one on extra points. So he had four points on the day. Uh, Vincent McTeague, nine punts on the day for 312 yards, including two that were down inside the 20. And then Bryce Gottfried had three kickoffs on the day for 91 yards. Looking at uh, McPherson, Tristan Zabo, their quarterback, eight of 19 passing for 63 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Arian Cervoni also had a pass on the day. Uh, did not complete it, but he was one on the day. Jonathan White, probably the the biggest standout player of this game if you're just looking at statistics. 20 carries for 107 yards. Uh, which is a 5.3 yard average does not reach the end zone, but another uh, game where white goes over the century mark, as far as rushing yards Aiden Friesen only has two carries, but one of those is a touchdown. I um, he goes for 17 yards. So uh, 8.4, 8.5 yard average on his two carries. Pretty efficient game there. Uh, Bryson Kirby also gets a carry on the day for three yards. And then Zabo had 11 carries, but was held to negative five yards. Looking at receiving for the Bulldogs. Jackson Duthit uh, was the leading receiver as far as yards go for the Bulldogs. 23 yards on only two catches. Jonathan White, the running back, actually leads the team in receptions. He had three catches for 14 yards. Uh, Aiden Friesen, Brant Johnson, and Michael Banks also get uh, receptions on the day. Friesen scores on his one reception for 16 yards, gets a touchdown there. So... Uh, Friesen making plays in both the rushing and receiving games for McPherson. In special teams for the Bulldogs, Jimmy Mai, 3 of 3 on extra points for uh, 3 points added to the team total. Kevin Dodd, 6 punts for 243 yards, half of his punts down inside the 20, so uh, Dodd helping out the McPherson defense putting St. Mary in a kind of compromising field position there and helping out that McPherson defense kickoff's Julius Howard had one kickoff for negative three yards. Jimmy my doing most of the uh, kickoffs on the day, four kickoffs for 148 yards um, as a 37 yard average. What do you see on defense for these two teams that stands out as far as statistics go? Uh,
0: starting with St. Mary, Hennessy Thomas uh, in double figure tackles again with 10 adds a sack and Gets a total of two tackles for a loss in this game. Uh, but r- really that big performance coming from Angela Trojillo. I know only has three uh, tackles in the game, but one of those is a tackle for a loss. And he gets that fumble recovery uh, that he forced and then takes back 40 yards to the house to score for St. Mary. Uh, Jackson Curtis also had a, a good game with seven total tackles. Uh, and one of those being a tackle for a loss. The other turnover in the game, forced by Aiden Arnold, he gets a fumble recovery as well. Uh, For McPherson, their leading tackler was Marquise Willoughby. Nine total tackles, including a tackle for a loss. There were four different Bulldogs that had sacks on the day. Uh, Bishop Hill, Christian Davis, uh, Talon Garland, and Tegan Shepard, all with a... uh, A sack, Davis's sack. He also had a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, uh, forcing that uh, turnover for the Bulldogs. But those were your uh, defensive standouts in this one, Uh, which brings us to the end of the actual scoreboard. Now let's take a look at our uh, current standings in the KCAC in football. Now uh, leading the conference currently is Bethel College at eight in one. Um. But they're approaching again that end of the uh, the conference uh, season. They do have one additional game to the other two teams at one loss. Uh, so Avila is at seven and one, tied with southwestern at seven and one. So we are looking at a, a three-way race right now uh, for that conference championship. Last year we had a, a three-way split of the conference championship. It's looking possible again. This year, Uh, Kansas Wesleyan sitting in fourth at seven and two, then Tabor and McPherson are both at four and four friends and St. Mary, both at three and five Ottawa and Sterling, both at one and seven. And Bethany is at zero and eight in the conference. And that brings us again to the end of the KCAC scoreboard.
1: Well, that'll do it for this episode of the KCAC Beat. Uh, we thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you do listen. Uh, during this crossover season between fall and winter street seasons, we have a lot of episodes coming out. Uh, we just started up basketball podcast last week, so make sure you're paying attention to that. We still have our uh, fall sport scoreboard recap episodes coming out until those all wrap up. Uh, make sure you're paying attention to soccer as we start out the men's women's soccer championship tournaments this week we'll be hinting at those on our podcast as well uh, and then we have player of the week coming out today on and uh, we'll have a podcast highlighting those honorees on tuesday uh, but for everybody here at the conference office we hope you have a great day and a great start to your week
0: You've been listening to the KCAC Beat. For more information on the KCAC, go to www.kcacsports.com.